something on my heart. I just feel like the Lord ministering. I was going to go a little bit different direction, and I just felt the Lord lead me in this way. And so if you have your Bibles, and you'll go with me to the book of Luke, I want to go to the third chapter there, the book of Luke, and begin at the uh, second verse and read a couple of verses here. And upon the high priesthood of Anna and Caiaphas, the word of God came on John, the son of Zacharias in the desert. And he came into the neighborhood of the area of Jordan, proclaiming a baptism, repentance for forgiveness of sins. As it has been written in the role of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness... Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled up. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked places shall be made into straight. And the rough into smooth ways. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Amen. Lord, we thank you this morning. Praise you, Lord, just for the fact that we get we got to be here in your house this morning. What a joy it is. Thank you for all the brothers and sisters that are here with us today. We just ask you as we break forth the word of God, the word of life. It's almost, Lord, the example of how you took the bread and you broke it. You blessed it. You gave it. Lord, I pray that you give us out the bread today, the bread of life, the word of life. Lord, that you would touch our hearts and help us to grow thereby. In Jesus' name we ask it, Lord. Amen. 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 The last part of this, verse 5, it says, And the crooked places shall be made into straight, and the rough into smooth ways. Really, this, this word that's smooth there, it can also mean level, just the ways that are rough. Now, I know each one of you have gone hiking at some point in your life or walked on some very rough ground, and it's hard to keep your balance at times. It's hard to stay on your feet. There's things to trip on, rocks and gullies and little, even little footprints that you might step in. I don't know if you've ever twisted your ankle when you've been out doing working or something, and it'll just throw you right on the ground. A rough way is a tough way to walk. But John the Baptist here, this word not only means smooth, but it also means level, a level way. And so there are crooked paths that God is going to make straight. There are rough paths that God is going to make level and smooth. And so it would imply here before John comes on the scene is that there are many paths that are too high. Many of them are too low. Many of them are too crooked. Many of them are too rough. And so John the Baptist has an amazing work to do. We, we preach quite a bit about John. He's just, he just one of those characters, the greatest prophet 
of the Scripture until Christ. But John is, um, he's going to deal with some things that are, have to do with spiritual matter. Now, we know that he's not out there with a shovel, and he's going to begin to dig down tall hills and fill in gullies. Of course, this is about a spiritual nature, right? We understand that. And so he's going to be faced with some things that he's going to have to do. Uh, the job of John the Baptist is, is really more than just, just introducing the Christ. That's what we say most of the time. It's his job was to introduce Christ, but really, really it entails even a little bit more than that. So we want to go into that a little bit this morning and, and just look at some of those things. He's fighting, he's fighting Pharisees and Sadducees who are following, 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 excuse me, for the position of power and position of authority in Israel, the greatest, highest seat in Israel. They don't have a king. They don't have a governor. They're not allowed by the Roman Empire to have any such structure except the high priest. And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees are, are yet fighting about that. They are trying to gain power. Um, similar, I would say, to what's been happening here in our country for the last 10 years. There's been this great power struggle, uh, a lot of undercutting, a lot of lying, a lot, I mean, things are being revealed all the time. I don't know if you're watching the news, but constantly things are being revealed of, of the evil nature of people just to gain power to get to the top. This is exactly what was going on with the high priesthood. And so they acted like they were men of God. They acted like they were in the place of God, that they were this, this person that, that had inherited the right of the high priesthood, but all the time they were buying and selling. They were bribing uh, to get this power, and the Herod and the, 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 the government of their day would sell that to them and give that to them for favors. And so this was going on in the high priesthood. And like what it says there in the second verse is that, that God passed right by that stuff. He ran right by that, went by the temple. They they had this form of godliness, but they really were denying the power thereof. And so God goes completely by that, and he comes to John who is out in the desert. And so John's going to face this. He also is facing lawyers and scribes who are interpreting the Old Testament based on their opinions and based on their traditions. And we know Christ ran into this. We know that John had to run into this, is that that Mishnah, that idea of what we think the Bible says. And, and so that was looming in his day. He was going to have to deal with that also. And then, then the priesthood, not the high priesthood, but the regular priesthood and the elders were crooked. Jesus called them a den of thieves. I would say they were crooked. What they were doing was that your average person would come in to do a sacrifice, but they couldn't buy the sacrifice with Roman money. They had to buy it with the sacred money, the temple money, and so they had the money changers. Remember that? The Lord turned over the tables of who? Of the money changers, because they would come in with the Roman money. They couldn't buy the sacrifice at an exalted price anyway, and so they would change the money for them. They would cheat them, 
changing the money, and then they would cheat them selling the sacrifice. These are the priests of God, the elders of the country. And so John has to also deal with this facet. And the Word of God lays dormant. Nobody is honoring the Word of God. They are honoring their tradition, their Mishnah. They're honoring their thoughts, their people, their high priesthood, and their priesthood, their elders, their scribes. But they are not honoring the Word of God. And so the Word of God lays dormant just like it had many, many times before. And I believe God is saying at this point with John the Baptist, He's saying it's time to level the playing field. How many has heard that statement? Um, Obama was really good at this, bringing up we need to have a level playing field for everybody. And so in our mind, a level playing field is what? Everybody has the same advantage, right? And so no one is greater than another. No opinion matters more. Everybody gets equal footing. Every, no one is superior to anyone else. And so we all need a level playing field. But what it means to the Lord is that everyone and everything must submit to His way without exception and without opinion. That's a level playing field before the Lord. And so what John is facing... And what, what he has to do in his work, it is greater than just coming out and introducing the Lord, which, which was part of this, but it also was this preparing the way of the Lord. And I wonder if in this age right now, we haven't got to a place that, that religion, Christianity, Christendom has spun out of control to such a place. I, I mean, I, every week now, it seems like, New revelations are coming about mega churches and mega preachers and mega stuff and, and just people in general everywhere who have supposedly been people of God and men of God and ministries of God to find out that it is crooked and perverse, that it's the same thing going on in our day as what was going on with John the Baptist. The only thing is, John the Baptist is not afraid to get up and prepare the way of the Lord. The Lord is still looking for people who have the spirit of John the Baptist. Who are not afraid to get up and prepare the way of the Lord. See, some things have to be done before the Lord's going to minister. All the big preachers are calling for end time revival. Right? That's, that's the big rush right now, is that we're going to bring in last time revival. And there's going to be this just this great overpouring of millions of people coming in, and churches will be full, and, and we've got one so-called prophet that says stadiums are going to be shut down for ball teams, and churches are going to come in, and whole stadiums all over the country are going to be filled with the Spirit of God, and people are going to be just you know coming in in flocks and and coming in by the thousands. The problem is that cannot happen without God leveling the playing field. Because too many things are crooked. Too many things are rough. 
Too many things are way up here and way down there. See, that's not where the Lord works. He's not even going to come in his ministry until John the Baptist prepares the way of the Lord. And how is he going to do that? Well, I'll tell you what. He's, when we talk about him, he's a man that, like I said, doesn't really even regard his own life. I would like to see one man who, if a great ruler came in the place, that he would call them out for their sin. We wouldn't dare do anything like that because it would offend people. But John doesn't care. John is going to prepare the way of the Lord. And God's looking for men and women who will prepare the way of the Lord. Come on, say amen. No, we want God to move in our churches. We want miracles to happen. We want things, you know, we want answers to prayer. We want to see people healed. We want to see deliverances. We want to see people saved and come to the Lord. But we don't want to clean the house. We don't want to prepare. Like, like uh, the apostle said, it's time that now judgment begins at the house of God. We're good at judging everything else. We can see it in the world. We can judge it, and we should. But we just can't see what's going on in the house. And so men and women have to stand up in the power and strength that God delivered also to John the Baptist. One of the things that he's going to have to do He's going to, going to have to, he's got several assignments, and I think the first one was this. He has to lay the axe at the root of the tree. Now, he's not talking, you know, somebody else is going to lay the axe at the root of the tree. No, John the Baptist is going to lay the axe at the root of the tree. And what does that mean? That means that the tree has grown up, and the tree's not right, and the tree has to come down. He's going to lay the axe at the things that are going on. And so he's going to begin to call them out. He's going to begin to call them out. Why is it in this day that we can't call out wrong, we can't call out sin, we can't call out the things that, that really are just right there in front of us, but we don't want to talk about it because it's hard to lay the axe at the root of the tree. And John, he's going to be scorned. Uh, it, you know, Eventually he's going to lose his life over it. But they're going to come out to him all right. The Pharisees are going to make their way out to him. And what is he going to say to them? Good job. Keep it up. We're so glad to have such and such leader of the Pharisees here this morning. It is a privilege indeed for us to honor him. And, and maybe even the high priest went out. It sounds like to me that most everybody went out to see what was going on with John. And John sees them coming down. What does he say? You vipers. You vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath that, that is coming? And, and he's calling them out. He's, he's letting the people know, first of all, that what these men are representing is not the gospel that's yet to come. What they're giving you is not the truth. It's going to be tough in this day, but God is going to raise some men up. God's going to raise up some in this body. He's going to raise up some in this house, in this church, that are not afraid to stand up and begin to call out what's wrong in what we call Christendom today. We can just accept it. We can just go on and say, well, you know, let God deal with them, or we can call it out. Until the field is leveled, 
then the rabbi, Messiah, is not going to do his work. And so John comes, according to Isaiah, crying with the voice, prepare ye the way of the Lord. But he's not only doing that, he's going to make an open show of exactly what is happening with the religion of that day. And so his second assignment is to verbally announce the Christ. And I like this too. Are you the Christ, John? No. No, I'm not the Christ. Several times they ask him, are you the Christ? Then are you that prophet? Who are you, John? He takes the, the honor off of himself and he bestows it where it belongs. We have a problem in the church. We have a problem honoring each other instead of honoring the Lord. We have a problem of building ourselves up to places, and, and we try and keep it down in this church, but, you know, we can get guilty of that, building up things be, uh, beyond the Lord, but it is the Lord. God can replace me with a button this morning. He can replace me with a child this morning. I'm no more than a servant. Our ministers are no more than servants. We honor in that way, but all honor goes to God. Can you say Amen. And so honor doesn't go to the priesthood. Honor doesn't go to the temple. We're getting ready. We're getting ready to, to, to open up our, our church now, something that we're buying. But honor is not going to go to that place, even though I believe in a place. I believe that God designs a place for us to meet. But honor doesn't go there. And we're trying to make something and puff something up so big that all the world can see who we are. No, 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 no. That's not. Honor goes to the Lord. And John the Baptist, you can ask him. You can put him in the corner. Who do you think you are? I'm not the Christ. I'm not that prophet. I'm not the man. But there's one coming after me who is mightier than I. But he's not coming until the field is level. He's not coming until some things are worked out and high places are going to come down and low places are going to come up and those crooked paths are going to be straightened out and all the roughness that's going on is going to feather down. It's going to be smooth and level before the Lord before he ever ministers in the church again. Listen, he's not going to override that stuff. He's not going to bring in his goodness and glory and his miracles, signs and wonders to people who are crooked. People who are too high, too low, and too rough. But he's level in the playing field. Can you say amen? Amen. So, John, what you must admit is that you must decrease and he must increase. The Lord's been working on me in this last, well, I would say a lot since we've been here in uh, Oklahoma. I'm getting older. Um, I'm not incapable of, you know, some of the things that need to be done, but I'm getting older. And I realize I must decrease because it's not about me. If this church goes on, it's not going to be because of me. It's going to be because of him. Can you say amen? It's going to be because we've ministered. We haven't ministered about ourselves. We haven't ministered about an organization and religious effort. We've ministered to you, and diligently every week I come to you to lift Jesus up in your life because I know this. I can't fix you. And I can give you a list of do's and don'ts and all that stuff. And you can try and do it, but that's not going to fix you. But let me tell you what is going to fix you. When you come in contact with the one who is to come, the one who is the Christ. I'm not the Christ, John said. Don't look at me. I'm just here. I'm just a voice 
crying in the wilderness this morning. That's all I am this morning, just a voice. I'm crying in the wilderness, but I'm lifting up the name of Jesus. I'm not lifting up the name of Echoes of Calvary. I'm not lifting up our little thing, our religion, our our efforts, our dogmas, our doctrine. I am here this morning lifting up Jesus Christ. And when He comes, when He comes full in your life, John said, I baptize you with water, but when He comes, He is mightier than I. Can you say amen? He's mightier than I. He's going to do a work in your life I can't possibly begin to do. Thank you, John, for that. And so his third assignment then, after he has leveled, after he's taken down high stuff, called it down, after he's brought all those people that feel so low, and brought them up. And after he's straightened out what's being preached in the Word of God, he's preaching repentance is what he's preaching. And after he has smoothed it out, then it says, then Jesus comes. And John says, look, behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. But it's not going to happen. Until the field is level. Until all the ideas of men come down and and Christ be lifted up. Until we back off and let the Lord be the Lord of the church. Let Him run things. Is that okay? Can we trust that the Lord is able to run His church? I know it's been delivered to men. I know that He delivered it. We, We acted out. But he's the director, amen. And so this gospel of Yeshua comes on a level playing field. And I'm, I'm going to bring us as that playing field. A level thing. God's constantly rough, uh, taking out the rough edges in my life. And, and I think if you're honest about that, you'll say Amen. I have some rough edges in my life. Am I here alone? And, and but God is 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 smoothing out the rough. I've had some crooked things in my mind that that I, I I thought wrong. That I need to repent of, and that doesn't mean get down and pray. That means to change my mind about. I've had some ideas build up, and that's that's why Paul said we're taking down imaginations now. Everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And and so we bring it down to the level of us and the Lord. Every day living in Christ is not a series of highs and lows. It's not that on Sunday morning I can get way up here so I don't commit suicide during the week. I'm serious about this. I've been in church a long time. I've been in Pentecost a long time. People want to run and jump, and and I'll talk about that in a few minutes, but can't hardly live during the week. Barely make it to church the next Sunday, all down and out and and we get the music going and finally get everybody pumped up and everybody's feeling better and everybody's running. But just can't. That's a high 
and a low walk in Christ. And he's working a level playing field in our life. He's trying to bring us to a place that even if I something happened, I had to work. We've got brothers here that had to work this morning. They're still going to make it. Because they're not going on a high and a low. And folks, we're not running at a dead sprint. I want you to know that. Kind of contrary to if you get in some of some of the circles around here, man, it's going, it's it's high, high volume, high energy stuff. And and, and you know that's okay, that's fine. But we're not on a dead sprint. We're from here to glory. I'm taking every day from here to glory. I'm taking tomorrow, which is a Monday, which we don't even have church on, which which we're just going to have to walk it out and live it out tomorrow. Today's a great day. Tomorrow is a great day. I love being here today. I'm going to love being there tomorrow. We're going to be working tomorrow. We'll be doing things with our family. We'll be doing memorial. We'll be doing all kinds of stuff. But But we're going to walk a level walk before the Lord tomorrow. And so I can't get hyped up enough to get enough energy, enough stamina on a Sunday to, to somehow make it through all week and get to, to the next Sunday. But we're not running on a dead sprint. Can you say amen? I want to let you know this. God is working piece by piece in your life. He's not working all at once. He's not bringing it all at once. In fact, the Lord said, I've got a bunch of stuff that I need to tell you, disciples, but I can't tell you now. Because you're not ready. So God is doing this, this working on us that takes a while. I'd rather have a steady work in my life than, than a, a one-time flash in the pan and then just wonder the rest of my Christian life if I'm going to make it. Can somebody say amen? And so this level thing that God is doing, and I feel like, I feel like this is such good advice for us this morning. Don't, don't miss this. Keep on a stay, keeping on a steady pace. We're not on a dead sprint. So all these four functions of the Shema about us. And God said, Thou shalt love me with your whole heart, with your whole mind, with your whole soul, and your whole strength. I have not reached that level yet in my life. And if you have, I want to give you this mic this morning. Because that whole this is this is where we are 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 striving to to get to. Coming into conformity of him. And so my mind still does some stuff that it shouldn't do. I'm gonna get an amen right there. And sometimes my soul wants to Take care of its own pleasure. Take care of its own self. And, you know, we'll get back here, Lord. But, you know, we, we've got soulish realm that we have to deal with. Everybody know what your soul is? Seed of emotions? You know what your heart is? Your spirit and your heart? And you have your soul, which is the seed of emotions. You have your mind, what you're doing, your thinking with. And then you have your strength of what you are. An accumulation of who you are. And so God says, you're going to love me with all of those facets of your life. And so I want to look at the soul a little bit here because the soul is that part of us that feels like it, 
and doesn't feel like it. And that needs to come into level in our life. The soul has this feeling of adding to and taking away. Where does that come from? The soul. But in order to understand this level approach that we must come to the Lord in, sometimes we've got to apply the axe to the root of the tree. We've got to call some things out. Sometimes we've got to decrease so that He may increase. So that our soul, we can serve Him with fullness, not with feeling. I found out a long time ago that I can come out of a, of a great service and then on Monday morning wake up and not feel a single thing. Do you know this? I heard this. I'm going to share this because I've heard it. I don't know how true it is. That most of the resignations that are done by pastors in churches are on, Sunday, on Monday morning. Because you don't feel the same on Monday morning as you do on Sunday morning. Your soul is in effect. And your soul will take some dips. And your soul will go down. And your soul will go up. It's up here today. We're thanking you, Lord. Oh, God, everything's good. We're in the house of the Lord. I feel good. I feel right. I feel saved. I feel delivered. I feel like you're here. You're with me. You're touching my family. What a great day. We just, we just praise you, Jesus. But then tomorrow morning, life sets in. Can you say amen? But God's trying to level us out. God's trying to level us out. Walk in that level, level walk before Him. So sometimes things got to come down before the gospel can really start taking place in our life. And so this thing, emotion, I want to I deal with this just for a little bit. Somebody mentioned this the other day. Is it biblical to have emotional worship. Is that biblical? Well, now that depends on if you're a Baptist or you're a Pentecostal. <laughs> that's going to make the difference. Or, you know, fundamentalist, like Baptist, Methodist, whatever. You know, fundamentalist. Or if you're a Pentecostal, you know, you're trying to, trying to rake the Pentecostals off the wall and trying to rake the Baptists off the ground, you know. But somewhere in there... There's a level thing. One of the things that we really do, without even knowing it, is that we tend to pendulum. And so we, we pendulum one way, we, pendulum, we see something is upset, we pendulum the, pendulum the other way. And we go too far. And really where we need to be is where that pendulum comes down right in the middle. So is it wrong to emotionally serve the Lord, but we might get too high, you know, we might, we might be too high here, and I don't want to be too high or too low, I want that level, but is there a level place of worship in the Lord that is biblical? So I haven't talked much about this, maybe in a long, long time, but there is, let's look at some of the, um, well, first of all, I got, I've got to share this, first of all. I believe, yes, it is right to worship the Lord with emotion. We find it all over Scripture. Your soul is the seat of your emotions. And so, bless the Lord, O my soul. What's David saying? He's saying that I'm going to bless him with emotion. Right? 
So here's what happens to us. I believe in a spontaneous response. It's called an epiphany. Does everybody know what an epiphany is? Do you have an idea? It's a Greek word, two words, epi and phanero. It's something that you discover, it comes to light to you. That's an epiphany. You didn't realize it, and then all of a sudden, it comes to light to you. Let me tell you where that can happen. That can happen right in the preaching of the Word of God. Oh, wow! I didn't know that. Well, you knew it, but you just it just had never opened to you. read the Bible, you've heard it, but it didn't open it all at once. There is this epiphany. That brings a response in our emotions. That something happens down in your soul that, wow, that's wonderful. Or you could be praising, worshiping along, and we've sang this song a thousand times, and finally we sing it again, and something happens in your spirit. It's just like you connect. There's an epiphany in there. You realize, hey, I understand what this song is about. I get this worship now. I, I, and, and something begins to stir in your emotion. Now, emotion can be led in a place that, and I've seen it, I, but preachers can do it. I'm not good at it, so I don't try. But preachers can get you to the place where you're on the edge of your seat to shout. You, they can get you to the place where you're going to cry. They can move you here and move you there. And songs can do the same thing. They can do it with worship. There are professional worship people that can make you cry, make you jump. But see, that's not an epiphany in your spirit, in your soul. That's just something that they're good at doing to bring you along. Manipulation, I like to call it. I'm not going to be manipulated in the house of God. Not going to happen. So there's got to be something else, and I believe it's that epiphanero is that when something transpires in your soul, and, and I fear for us sometimes because we have pendulum swung. I've seen the crazy. We came here, and we saw the crazy. And so we want to come back down from that. But we, we go too far. And we say, you know, we want to shut out the move of the, what we call the move of the Spirit altogether. Because actually, folks, I don't want to see any of you get down on your hands and knees and crawl around here. I don't. I can't find that biblical in the Scripture. Sorry. No, somebody does it. I mean, they're a bad person. I mean, they're awful. Or it just, I just don't see that as worship. When I was a young man, they, well, Kay's dad told us that he had some kids in the upper room. That was their, their uh, uh, teenage room up. It was above the church. And he went up there, and the, the boys, they were so anointed, they were just kicking holes in the sheetrock. That's when I go to tackling people because I have to fix that. That's not worship. That's excitement. Well, they got excited about something. But that's not the epiphany of the Lord that will spontaneously make you want to worship. Oh, I've had them. Man, I had 
There was a lady in our church, and she got excited. I don't know why, but she would get on my guitar case. I had my bass in there, and it was a hard case, and she would get up and jump up and down on my guitar. I said, no! She don't bust my guitar. I told my dad, next time she does that, I'm going up to get her off of there. Oh, you can't do that, son. You don't. Oh, yes, I can. Quench the spirit. I want to quench that spirit. So there are there are there are realms of emotion that that I believe is a level field in our life. And I want to talk about this because I don't want us to get to the place that now we're just going to sit down and shut up and be quiet because we've seen some stuff go wrong. That's not level. That's low. Okay, I've seen it over here. That's too high. Now, I don't want to go over there. Get the music going, and I mean all pandemonium breaking out and it's because of the music. I don't know if you watch this stuff going on. Brother Chris said some things about this on Wednesday night a couple weeks ago. What they're doing in these huge gatherings playing Christian music, the lights, the smoke, the long-haired guitar players that are swinging and jumping, and it's a mess. And people are just, oh, praise you, Jesus. No, 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 that's, that's not because of an epiphany. That's because of the music. They're doing the same thing in rock concerts. Just recently, I saw a flash of a rock on. They're doing the same thing. It looks like the same stuff. They've got their hands in the air. They're screaming. They're yelling. They're, they're uh, uh, running people. What do they call that? On the wave or whatever it is. They've got people that are going on everybody's hands. and They're hitting balls all over the place. That's the only thing they're short of in these, these kind of worship services is they need to bring out the beach balls. That's not a spontaneous reaction to the presence of the Lord. That's something that's made up. That's something that's schooled. But there is a blessing in responding. It's level. I want to tell you this morning, it's a level thing. It's okay. There are some things in Scripture that are okay. When the Word of God comes out and you are moved by it, it is okay for the congregation to say, Amen. It's in the Scripture. The Scripture says that, that they preached and the congregation said amen because it meant we receive it. We believe it. Yes, God, you spoke something to do. So any time that we are preaching the Word of God and you feel that epiphany in your spirit, you feel like, wow, that bears witness with me. You don't have to make a scene. You don't have to blast anybody out. But you have the right to say amen in the house of God. You've got the right to clap your hands. Clap your hands, all ye people. Clap your hands. And when you feel, and that's why sometimes when we're singing, you might feel it. It's okay. Nobody else is clapping. But you feel like clapping a little bit. You don't make a scene, but you just feel it. You just, there's something that's moving on you. The Word of God is spoke. Somebody says something that thrills your heart. It's okay to clap your hands. Let me go a little further. It's okay to raise your hands. To raise your hands and bless the Lord. 
to worship the Lord. I feel like sometimes I don't just, you know, we're encouraged, and we do that. We want people to raise their hands, but, but really I don't want you to raise them if you don't feel anything. You've, you've got, if you feel God is just, I just feel like opening up my heart. I just feel right now. Just lift my hands to the Lord and give Him glory. And I feel that way about it. Somebody didn't make me do it. Somebody didn't uh, harass me into it. But I feel like doing that. And I'll raise my hands to the Lord. That is totally scriptural. And you can do it. Everybody say amen. You don't have to be ashamed. You haven't done anything wrong. You've done something right. Because in your heart you felt like Lifting the Lord up a little bit. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I love you. Let me go on just a little bit more. It's okay to shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Wow. What are some examples of that? Well, I was reading in the book of Acts the other day that the man that got healed at the gate beautiful you talk about an epiphany. This man was crippled all his life, and instantly he is raised up and healed. That guy was shouting with a voice of triumph. Well, I'll tell you what. If you want to lose a battle, don't say anything. If you want to go down in defeat, just hang your head and go in defeat. But if you believe that Jesus Christ is a conqueror in your life, it's okay to shout with a voice of triumph. And I'm not so sure if sometimes we might need to just stand up and shout with a voice of triumph, Jesus, you're my helper. Jesus, you're my deliverer. I bless you, my God. That is absolutely appropriate in the house of God. Now, don't do that while I'm preaching. And, and you know, it's kind of a funny thing. We had dear sister, some of you don't know this, but you may have heard me say it. She did feel something in her spirit. And I was preaching. I was preaching hard. And she got up and began to sing America to the top of her voice. America! And I was like, I just kept right on preaching. And pretty soon she sat down, you know. But she was blessed. I mean, it was just, she, she was just a little out of timing on that. And, uh, but great sister. But she felt something. At least she felt something. Everybody else is sitting there. She's singing America. Now I always use this. Man, you haven't preached till you bring them to their feet singing America. <laughs> but it's okay to give a shout to the Lord. This, he wants that. He wants to be praised with a shout of triumph. Oh, God, you've been good to us. I'll tell you a good time to do that right in the middle of worship service. Oh, thank you, Jesus, Lord. God, I just want to praise you right now. I just want to thank you. You've been so good to me all week. You've been so good to my family. God, you took us out of a horrible pit. Lord, you've saved our life and cleansed us and washed us. I want to shout your name right now in the middle of the congregation. Just say, thank you, Jesus. You don't have to make a scene. You don't have to blow anybody else out, out, of, out of the way. Just thank the Lord just with a shout of triumph out of your own soul and spirit. It's a right thing to do. So that's too emotional. Well, you need to take it up with the Lord because he's the one that said to do it. That's a right emotion. Leap for joy. Years ago, we were better at this than we are right now. 
Maybe we need to turn over a leaf. We're, we're about to do a new thing, right? Leap for joy. Jesus did it. If Jesus did it, he's my rabbi. Can you imagine the rabbi? He just, he's just leaping for joy. I don't know if he's wearing a robe. I don't know. He's leaping for joy. and His disciples are looking at him, huh? What's he doing? But something so hit him that as the man, his emotions just an epiphany, and it said that he leaped for joy. In the Old Testament, leap for joy, so there's nothing wrong with it. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Get out to where you're not on somebody's feet, because it's not going to be very much joy for them if you jump on their feet. But you're, you're there, you're not making a scene, but you're, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord, we bless you. We used to do it a little bit more. We went to a church, the door, that kind of introduced us to that a little bit, and it's kind of faded down, and, and that's okay. You don't have to. I don't want you to. Unless you have an epiphany in your spirit, that's where I feel. Sometimes I do. I just feel like my feet. I just, I just need to just to jump a little bit because I just feel the spirit of God moving on my emotions. The Lord wants to move on our emotions, but He wants us to be on a level playing field. If you feel like jumping, don't get up here in front of this thing and jump. Man, I've seen them knock stuff down. Uh, one church just. Just hit the pulpit, knocked the pulpit down on the thing and broke. And oh, just no, 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 that no. But jump for joy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I think when Brother Jake gets done with all of this and he comes in the house of God, I think Brother Jake is going to jump for joy. I think we're going to jump with him. I think we're going we're gonna to jump, Brother Tim. Brother Tim, after going through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to have him come down and speak for us. And when he, when he does, I think he's going to want to jump for joy a little bit, and I think we're going to want to jump with him. Two weeks from next Sunday, Brother Mann is going to be with us, and I'll guarantee you he's going to jump for joy. And you can jump for joy. It's okay. It's right. You're, you, you're good. You're covered. It's, it's something that, that is true and right and good. So we don't pendle them down and say, no, no, we're just going to sit arms folded. Got one more place to go. And I'm not as good at this one. I, I, I admit it. Dance before the Lord. I, I'm not as good at that. Because I've seen so much that just made me aggravated. But it's right to dance before the Lord. I like Brother Tommy Bates. Once in a while, he'll be singing up there, and he'll just take off. I don't know. It just he just he it just a dance before the Lord because he just feels that the spirit moving. Let's don't damper the spirit in our life to move us in our emotion. God, the dead praise not the Lord. We're dead. We don't praise the Lord because we don't want to do nothing. We just want to sit, get our time in, and go home. But we're not here for that. We're here to worship our Lord and bless Him this morning. Hallelujah to Jesus. We love you, Lord. It's okay with a voice of triumph to bless Him this morning. Hallelujah. Everybody just felt that. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That rings true. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That is why we're here this morning. Hallelujah. Let me warn you of one thing, though. Any demonstration of worship is not for a show. 
This is one area where Pentecost has failed. It became a show. To see who was the most spiritual. You knew who the most spiritual was. It was the person running around the church. Now, I didn't find running around the church in the Bible. But old Brother Bob, Brother Bob would get up and walk around. Tell you something about Brother Bob, though. I knew Brother Bob when he had two arms. And I knew Brother Bob when the the saw came down and cut his arm off. And he was laying on the ground. And I knew a man that was working with him that said when Bob was laying on the ground and his arm was severed, he said, well, somebody just come and sing a gospel song with me. I'll let Brother Bob go around the church. Because in his heart, he is so thankful unto God. So we don't want to stop things that are good and healthy. Sometimes you may get in the house of God and you just weep. The Spirit of God, sometimes it's joy. And sometimes it's weeping for joy. And sometimes it's sorrow. I mean, but let the Spirit move on you. It's okay. Brother Austin, it's okay. Some of you other that are sensitive, be sensitive about things. God doesn't love a calloused heart. He loves an open heart. So let the Lord move on you. Can you say amen? That's good stuff. That's healthy stuff. That's level stuff. But doing it for a show is wrong stuff. Now I want to say this, that those who rolled and frothed and screamed and shook, Jesus cast demons out of them. Years ago, Pentecost was known for holy rolling. I I don't find that one in the Bible. The only one I found, they were rolling and Jesus cast demons out of them. I saw a girl the other day. We were watching a Christian program and immediately I knew that's a devil. She began to shake uncontrollably. I said, no, 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 no. Something's wrong here. Let me tell you about real praise. You have control of it. Mm -hmm. When you lose control, watch out. That's where some strange things start to happen. The Lord never said you're going to lose control when when there is this epiphanero comes over you. You're going to totally lose control and go out into a trance and, and, and doing all kinds of crazy things. Man, I've seen it all, but there is a level. There's a level. The Lord does on a, on a level in our life. Can you say amen? That when you're done with there, boy, you, feel, you don't feel like a fool. You don't feel like, boy, everybody thought I was crazy and stupid, but we all worship together, and we bless the Lord, and we feel right about it, and we praise the Lord. So, so when you come into the house, somebody just may be crying, or somebody just may lift their hand up. That, that, you're not the judge of that. What you are is a worshiper before the Lord. So you come in the house, and you're just ready to say, Lord, whatever you want to do, and I want to worship you this morning. I want to bless you this morning. I want to praise you, my God, and you're my Lord, and let God move those old emotions in our life. Amen. I, I, I want to see it. I, I think we have, we have been to the place where it can become dry. We've got to watch that. Dead don't, don't praise the Lord, the live, the living, those that have been set free, those that have something to praise Him about. If you don't know the Lord, you've got nothing to praise Him about. But if you know Him, everything that hath breath, 
praise the Lord. Everything, every person, everyone that has a heartbeat this morning, you got a right to praise God. You come in the house of God, praise Him. You come into the house of God, lift your hands. Let those tears go. You might have a little jump in your feet. You might have a shout of triumph while we're praising. Let God move that in your spirit. Can you say amen? God's looking for a level thing in our life. Hallelujah. And the good thing is I'm, I'm, I'm just about done. Should I go on? Okay. So this true praise and worship that comes on us, it's simple, it's pure. It's not brought on by somebody else. It's what God is doing in our life, this level work. He never told you that you would lose your faculties when he moved on you. He never said that. A lot of what I've come from years ago, they said, well, they supposed that they were drunk on the day of Pentecost. Let me tell you about that. It's not because they were staggering. It's because there were 120 people speaking different languages at the same time, and they couldn't make them out, except for the one that they knew. And all of them said, this is a great wonder. But there were some said, these are drunk. as so, so in my day is what you do is you get drunk all in the spirit. Now, we saw that. We saw that in a church here recently, right? The man came up to the front, remember? Came up to the front, and he was, Rick was trying to stop him. Rick, the only one that had some discernment there. <laughs> and uh, he hot-footed it across there, you know. But but that's something they've been told. They've been told that, you know. that's that's that actually, there's, there's no biblical standard on that. You know, you know, act like we're insane. That's That's not. No. You don't lose control of your facilities. But Paul said, listen, I'm going to go over this real quick and we'll leave. I run but not with uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Very aware of what he's doing. I fight, but not as one that's beating the air. But purposely I fight. And I keep my body under. So this is the acceptable walk before the Lord. This level thing. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Don't get crooked paths. Don't get rough paths. Just keep following Jesus. Actively pursue Jesus. Have you ever heard of the phrase, even keel? Has everybody heard of the phrase, even keel? Does anybody have any idea what it means? Brother Dustin does. Don't give it away. This term was used figuratively since the 1800s. It alludes to keeping a vessel's keel in a level position. Because if it's in a level position, then it has smooth sailing. Some of the reason why our Christian walk is, just seems tough and rough is because we haven't kept an even keel. It's okay Monday if you don't feel like jumping. It's okay. Keep that even keel. It's okay if you get up Tuesday and you don't even 
I mean, you're, you're already mad at the wife when you get up. It's okay. Get that even keel. Get that even keel. Smooth sailing before the Lord. Can you say amen? Let's stand. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you. Oh, God, I just pray that somebody got something out of what we said here this morning. Because you do build us one brick at a time, Lord. You lay one thought, Lord. You weigh one precept, one concept in our hearts at a time. And so, Lord, for this church, I just felt moved in this direction that, Lord, we, we want to honor you. We want to praise you. We want to lift you. We want to do those things that you've ascribed in the Scripture that is right for the righteous to do. But, Lord, we want to do it in a level way that praises you, that lifts you, Lord, and lifts our life in you. We thank you for it. Lord, bring us back to your house tonight, praising and lifting your name. Everybody say amen. Amen.